0: DJ PK and David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us now. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning.
1: Good morning. You're welcome.
0: What am I welcome for, David?
1: Well, you should know. (laughs) PK, you should know too. Really, PK, you're welcome.
0: Uh, just oh, well, I thank you every day of my life. Whether you're in front of me yeah, of or in contact with you, I just say thank you, David Locke do you, do you, put it, you, you put out the fire coming down the canyon before they closed the freeway.
1: I, I did not. I'm actually about just about to drive by the fire actually because okay. I'm gonna. Hey, came down early so I could get in before they closed it. Um,
0: no, you're welcome.
1: Like I've listened to your show because you've been. I don't know if you know this, but you've been the top-rated sports morning show for over a decade. That promo, by the way, may have been running for a decade. But um, so uh, I I was listening. I see what you
0: did there. I see that.
1: (laughs) um, So I was listening to your show, and I thought you had one of the best, most insightful answers to ever any interview I've ever heard you do in that whole decade. Um, And it was because of me. So you're
0: welcome. Set it up for us. Thank you, PK. Or thank you, uh, David Locke. Well, thank you, PK, too. What the heck. Thank you, Jake. welcome. Thank you, everybody. What was it, David? Give us the backstory.
1: Thank you, Joe.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I was listening. P.K.,
1: Listen to me. I was saying feisty Joe, not cranky Joe, but you misquoted me. But, I mean, I'm used uh, to the media and the fake news. I, mean, I, <laughs> it, so. I couldn't. Re- um,
0: well, I couldn't remember specifically what the word was, but I thought cranky was ballpark.
1: I, I, would, I would agree. I mean, I'm in the realm of what journalism thinks is ballpark, of course. Um, yes, no, it was, it was a fair depiction. Um, so, yes. But I thought his answer was fascinating because I think it's a huge part. And we're at the, you know, there's different stages of what these guys are going through in the bubble. And that Joe, I thought talking about just the walls closing in on him. He didn't, he didn't say that, but that's really what he did say. Just the inability to get away from anything going on there and getting away from basketball. Uh, this is the next stage of where we are. And I, I think it's been really interesting. The first stage I actually think was hardest on the coaches. They were just practicing. Players were all trying new things. They were having fun experiences. There's there's great stories about teams playing these incredible pool volleyball games. And there's a story about you know a coach sending cases of beer down to the players on and basically saying practice is canceled tomorrow so that the guys have a good time and enjoy themselves and, and get that camaraderie back and and on one team and there's you know. There's stories of legendary card games that have gone on already. there's just all the stories are coming out of the bubble. And that was like the early stage. I think the players, were, you know, the 76ers were all fishing, and we've seen all that. And I think the players at that point were all right, and the coaches were the ones that were having a hard time, particularly the head coaches, where they didn't have anyone to be around. They were just trying to get their teams back. Then we got into games, and I feel like for the players is where this is becoming really difficult now. It's the same Repetition, they really have no break. I thought, um, Joe, you know, Jordan Clarkson um, is really this interesting character that, like, is like this street-cred, hip, protesting, current guy who, from what I've been told, actually would like to go live in a Winnebago like Boris deal on his catamaran when he retires. Like he's a guy who really loves to escape and get away. And so the fact that he's not shooting well and he's in the bubble and he can't get away and he can't do can't be Jordan Clarkson. He cannot be who he is as a person right now. Is a huge part to the story. Like and this is where this is where we are at this stage of the bubble right now.
0: So the Jazz are giving a lot of players off today. There are multiple theories uh, rolling around from our listeners. Uh, they've been posting them on our Facebook page, and there are people who think, uh, they're just it's load management. There are people who think the Jazz are trying to engineer a playoff matchup with the Denver Nuggets. Um, There's probably a bunch of other conspiracy theories out there. What do you think the main motivation is, for sitting Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and Royce O'Neill in the same game.
1: Well, if you were trying to manage play the Denver Nuggets, you would do this all the next day, wouldn't you?
0: Possibly, yes.
1: Right. I mean, if you're trying to do that, then you lose to the Nuggets, make them three, you become six. So it seems like that would be what you would do the next day. Uh, I think it's true part. Um, I think it's, one, simply load management. You have a back-to-back, and you're just trying to get guys, you know, you're trying to make, you know, your priority is that on the 17th of August or whatever it is when we start playoffs, that you're healthy. So I think that's, you know, that's the priority, the singular and only priority at this point. Um, The other thing is if you're – they do have a unique opportunity to play these young players who've all had a very good G League in an environment that is much better than G League, much better than preseason, much better than Summer League. It's real NBA basketball against NBA team, you know, players playing at full four. And so if you can find a way to get some odd minutes from these guys, like, you know, if it's 15 minutes per each next four games, it would be 60 minutes, but you can't do that with all three guys. Then you, you're you blowing up your entire rotation. So in some ways, it might be easier just to do it for a day. So let Mia One and Jarrell Brantley and um, and uh, Jawan Morgan and Rajon Parker get some run and see what happens.
0: I don't see much of a difference when we get to the postseason, whether it's Houston, Oklahoma City, or Denver. Do you?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, so, one is experience. You know, Chris Paul having just, you know, 15 years of experience, James Hart Russell both near a decade, compared to Denver's lack of experience... Um, And lack of playoff success. I mean, I know they won a series last year, but even that was pretty underwhelming. Um, uh, Rudy bothers Jokic. So our best player, defensive player, predominantly best player, bothers their best player, whereas Rudy doesn't really bother Chris Paul and James Harden a great deal. Um, Denver can't shoot. Um, They are largely predicated on an offensive rebounding game, which I think falls apart when you hit the playoffs because everyone's playing with a little more intensity and focus, so you can't get as many offensive rebounds. Um, and I think Denver has no rightful order of the basketball universe, and so I'd love to play them under pressure.
0: Do you think when well, th- it is Denver? Uh-huh. Aha! <laughs> Do you think the Jazz would sti- still be underdogs <laughs> against Denver?
1: Let me make sure that we're perfectly clear about Denver. as I just you know gave you all the reasons I'd like to play them. They were also the two seed last year, going to be the three seed this year. I mean, like no one talks about Denver. Everyone loves New Orleans. There's there's a really big difference between Denver and New Orleans. Denver wins and New Orleans loses. Like give Denver credit. They win. They find a way to win all the time.
0: Does it bother you that the Jazz haven't beaten them in the two meetings this year? Obviously, the third one coming up.
1: Be far more that we're missing 31 minutes of Boyan Bogdanovich and can't seem to figure out how to fill it. So, um, you know, I think we have enough issues that we have to try to figure out in the next four games before we pick our opponent.
0: Does Joe Ingles have to shoot more for this team to win?
1: Joe Ingles... Yeah, Joe Ingles actually has to play the game he played the other night. So. When came out talking about wanting to run and and get up and down the floor more. And that really means that Joe Ingles has to be Boyan Bogdanovich. I talked about this a lot kind of prior to going into the bubble. We kept talking about we wanted to run. We actually lost the guy that runs the most for us. Like, I don't know, you know, I can guess why we don't think of it that way. But Boyan uses like 24% of our fast break possessions are Boyan Bogdanovich. Or some, either that or points. I mean, he's the guy who scores our fast break points. Um, he gets out. Joe has to be that guy. Quite honestly, Joe wasn't doing that. Like if you watch games, if Joe, if Donovan or Mike got the ball, Joe wasn't sprinting up the sideline to go get an open opportunity. He was coming back to get the basketball to run a high pick and roll with Rudy. And Joe needed to do that because Joe's incredible at that. He's one of the best pick and roll players at six eighties got unique skills in his ability to do that. But he for what the team needs right now is they have, he has to balance those two things. He has to balance both his desire to run the pick and roll and create in the middle of the floor and be our leading assist guy, and the team's desperate need for early three-point shots. The other thing is that if you look back at Joe's career, he used to be a five three-pointers a game at four-to-one catch-and-shoot to, catch to off-the-bounce. And he's become more off-the-bounce threes than catch-and-shoot threes. That's actually bad for Joe, statistically. He's one of the best catch-and-shoot three-point shooters in the league. He needs to get those. The way he's going to get those is getting out early. He scored all of our fast-break points against Memphis. Every single one of our fast-break points was a Joe Ingles point. So, Joe, when Donovan or Mike gets the rebound, Joe's got to run the floor and run up and beat out a head pass and then get the, take that open look for three. It's so it's that scenario. Then, if that doesn't develop and he gets down to the corner and he is able to flatten the floor that way, that will open up early driving opportunities for Mike and Donovan. And if that doesn't develop, then we can get into the Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles pick and roll He got nine of them the other night, which is about 10% of our possessions. That's about the right number. They scored, I think, on six of the nine. That was the perfect balance for a Joe Ingles night.
0: Joe told us that Johnny Bryant grabbed him in—I uh, uh, I don't know if it was at the—I qu- think it was the quarter break, but it might have been a timeout late in the third. But I think it was the quarter break, between the third and fourth <laughs> quarter. He said, you have to shoot— four three-pointers in this quarter for us to win. And Joe said that was in his mind when he launched that deep three that made it, I don't know, 116-108, something like that. He hit back-to-back threes with about four minutes to go that pretty much ended the the Grizzlies' chance of winning that game. And he said that was in his mind when he took that three a couple steps behind the line and there's still 15 or something like that on the shot clock. Do you think the Jazz can keep him that aggressive from the three point line? Because that was clearly differently than he usually plays the game.
1: So that's a really good shot, actually.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, and it went in? The fact is, yeah. statistically, the 32 foot three point shot is the next shot in the league. Dane's doing it with, you know, and he's been the revolutionary player who's done it. But if you do the math on that, there's two things that are going on that tell you that that's a good shot. One is the teams are denying the rim at an incredible rate, and they've just committed to not letting you get to the rim. Teams have spread their offenses enough that, other than the Jazz, you can no longer deny the rim and deny the three in the NBA. Uh, if you deny the rim, you'll allow threes. The top ten teams deny the rim; like seven of them allow the most threes in the league. The only two that uh, don't are Oklahoma City and Utah. So that three that Joe took is actually a good shot now. And the other one that's interesting about it, and this is going to be kind of a statistical evolution, is the players that are taking it right now are all good shooters, and so they're all making that shot at about the same rate as a long three anyway. They're at about 33%, 34% on that long shot at you know, 1.02 points per possession, which once you're in the half court, that's a pretty good number. So that shot is actually the next shot in the league. If Joe comes up the floor with 15 on the clock and they go under and or miss the switch, as he talked about in your interview, and he's wide open and it's a 34-footer, it's actually probably the best shot you're going to get that possession. That's the next Has stage in happened? the NBA, by the way. The next stage in the NBA is to take your not-very-good mid-range shots and move them to 34-foot threes. That'll be a weird-looking game, but that's what's going to happen in two years.
0: Anything happen in Orlando that has surprised you relative to the prior portions of the season?
1: Yeah, I think uh, rookies are second-year players now. Almost every rookie is playing really well. We'll see Keldon Johnson today for San Antonio has been really, really good. Um, so I think I think you're seeing – I think it's a, it was an offseason. And so you're seeing players – and I think that's what might be interesting about One and Jarrell Brantley and Rajon Tucker, these guys today, is th- those guys aren't rookies anymore. They're all second-year players. Michael Porter Jr. is a good example. He's been incredible. All the breakout players are in that same kind of ilk of player right now, that they're, they were players that kind of got their feet wet I think we've all been there in some circumstance in our life. When you're in the midst of your rookie year or the case, you know, Mike Conley's been brilliant. He probably fit into this as well. You get, you get You get into that new experience, and it's going fast, and you're trying to figure it out. You think you're doing all the things you can to settle yourself and get yourself back to normal, but you're not because you can't even find normal anymore. And so this allowed, I think, everyone to stop, regain who they are, learn from their experience, and get better. Um, So I I really, you know, even year two to year three players look better than they did. And that's a common jump in the league. That jump's happening right now. Um, So I I think there's been – the players, to me, have all taken a maturity step or the the next step in their careers. It's not a continuation of last season.
0: Ingles is the one guy playing. How long is his consecutive game streak now? It's got to be 300 and something.
1: yeah, I'm sure that's why I mean that's why he's playing today, so I'm sure he'll play a little bit. Um also the other one though, it's nice to have Joe out on the floor with the young guy so that there's some semblance of you know, if Justin Wright Foreman's running the point and he has a tendency to shoot a little too much, um you know, Nigel Williams Goss is who I know has been nicked up a little bit with a sprained ankle, is probably more of a true point guard. So you need to, you're gonna figure out whether Mia One, Jarrell Brantley Jawan Morgan or Rajon Tucker can play, you know, solid NBA minutes. Then you need somebody out there that's giving them some semblance of order. So there's, I think there's some importance. So I'm sure Joe will be a bit limited today. Um, You know, it's. I think today's a really interesting game um, for for a few reasons. Like, you know, Quinn's got a really long leash on everybody right now because it doesn't matter. But like. My guy, George, is great, but he's, he's he's not, you know, he's two for 16 from three, right? Like if, and, and I think he's a little nicked up uh, on one of the injury reports. So, you know, George going to get that shot back right now. It does look flat. And it looks like it's hitting the front rim all the time. It doesn't have a lot of its regular George to it. Well, maybe there is something wrong. Well, and we better find out if Jarrell Brantley or Jerron Morgan can play because when George Niang is still two of sixteen and we're in a playoff series, that that, that the, the leash is over. Uh, you know, I don't want to be going to second round draft picks or undrafted kids in a rookie year to try to solve things. But it it would be nice to know. And 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 I've got a I've got a funny vibe on Mia One. Like just watching. It's a bit a little bit of watching Toronto and watching. Um, Oklahoma City, and they play differently than we do, so this might not be – I might be wrong on this, but Mia One just gets into people. He's kind of got a little bit of a, like, there's a great – you know, there's a practice story about him and Dante this year, and that that wasn't the only time that happened. Like, I mean, he just goes at people. He's kind of a relentless – there's a few stories out of the G League with him where it was like, you know, him going through the – the uh, shake hands line at the end of the game, talking trash. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, like this is going you gonna, gonna like—got to play like 80 games against these guys. Like, you know, like he's got a little something to him. I, I'm curious to watch him more than any of these other guys and see whether or not he can bring that a force to the game that actually, if you're gonna play five or nine or ten minutes, might be something for the Jets. It's very hard what you're asking these guys to do. Uh, Bart Taylor, the G League GM of the year for the Utah Stars, who's a brilliant basketball mind, made a fascinating comment to me in training camp about all these guys. He said they were all the number one option. They were all the primary guy on their team. They have to do the opposite of what you'd think coming into the NBA. They have to narrow their game down, not stretch it out. And uh, that I think that's a, a pretty interesting way to look at them. They need to so, – can Mia One narrow his game from being Yale's primary scorer and all these things to being a defensive force and a corner three shooter? And I think he's the one who can narrow it down the fastest.
0: David, we know you got to run early game, 11 a.m. We will talk to you again next week. We'll hear you on the game.
1: Appreciate it.